This is the SPFL 42 show, covering every division in Scotland. Hello and welcome to a special episode of the SPFL 42 show with me, Grant Campbell. The Scottish Cup last 16 matches take place this weekend and it poses an exciting mouth-watering match as Rangers and Celtic collide at Ibrox. I'm joined on the podcast by Scott Patterson from This Is Ibrox and Colin Watt from A Celtic State of Mind to discuss Rangers and Celtic's chances of making it through that last 16 match. I'll also be joined by Ian Auld of Highland Football Weekly podcast. We talk about the Highland League sites competition so far, including Brora's superb win against Hearts, and also the performances of Fraserburgh as well as for Martin. We'll also discuss Inverness's victory against Highland rivals Ross County in the previous round, and assess how they can get on in their match with St Mirren also in the last 16. Later on, Ian and I will also go head-to-head in our predictions challenge on the remaining last 16 matches. I hope you'll join us on a fantastic SPFL 42 show. Well, hello and welcome to this very special SPFL 42 show podcast with me, Dr. Grant Campbell. Well, the Scottish Cup is back uh, next weekend and it's a very exciting time um, for a range of Scottish football fans, particularly those of Rangers and Celtic who have drawn each other in the last 16 of the competition. Uh, We are joined uh, for this part of the show by Scott Parson from the This Is Ibrox podcast to talk about the GR's chances of adding the Scottish Cup to the already superb league track that they had this season. Scott, a warm welcome to the show. Hello Dan, how are you? Thanks for having me on. I'm very well, nice to have you on as well. How have you been celebrating the last few weeks because Rangers winning yet another Scottish Premiership title? Yeah, I mean, I think we and I have spoke off there, the importance of this season um, was paramount. I think the league was non-negotiable, we had to sort of get that over the line. I think to do it in the manner we've done it, with the football we've played and the uh, just how quick we've done it, how, how quickly we've got over the line. Uh, middle of April, we can effectively sort of kick back and, and put our feet up and enjoy the, the last remaining games of the season. Not, of course, mentioning the, the big Scottish Cup game, as you mentioned, that's just around the corner. What has worked well for Rangers this year? Is it a bit of big collective of individual players, Sean, for you? What do you put it down to? I think we, we've been really lucky in the sense that we've had a really consistent spine throughout the team. You look at guys like um, Conor Goals and Alan McGregor um, Tavernier right back had an outstanding first six months this season he was, he was particularly good um, but I don't think you can you can sort of take away the influence of guys like Stephen Davis in the middle of the pitch uh, his, his involvement this season has been has been so important to everything that we've done it's been a huge season for him personal of course and Indeed, from, from my own perspective, and we spoke about it on, on the This Side Rock Rangers podcast, I feel he's our player of the season because he's been absolutely pivotal to, to everything we've done and yes. what's been a huge season for him, overtaking that, the Pat Jennings record in the first instance and then, of course, Peter Shelton's record a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, absolutely. I think Davis has been absolutely superb. But what I think has been really interesting for me with Rangers this season from an outsider looking in is the way that certain periods of the season, the baton has been passed. Ryan Ken started the season extremely well. You obviously mentioned James Tavernier and the performances he's put in. Connor Goldson took it for a spell. You had people like Scott Arfield had it for a spell as well. It really has been a, a big team performance from Rangers on the pitch. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, and that kind of speaks to the question you just asked. Why, why has it been 
so good this season and we've rhymed off half a dozen players there that have been so important for us this year and the, the, the argument to that is almost the fact that one of the most consistent players all season who neither of us has mentioned there has been Glenn Kamara yeah. he's been absolutely fantastic um, and obviously sort of recently he's had other things that he, he's he's had to deal with which has been pretty horrendous and disgusting for him um, he's been fantastic for us this year too so we, we've been really lucky in the sense that we've just had all our big players have been 10 out of 10s yeah. regularly yeah. and that's helped enormously and Stephen Gerrard will have gained so much from this season won't he because obviously he came into the job it was a tough start for him seeing Celtic win trophy after trophy but this season you really feel he's learned so much from the last couple of campaigns and it really has been ruthless from him as a manager but also Rangers as a collective yeah, I mean, I, I think he's learned a lot about his, his players and what they can do. We we now stare down the barrel of, of ideally, of all things being well, maybe Champions League football next year. So you'll know from, from looking at the guys, from what they've done this season and the Europa League campaign and all the good stuff they've done in the league, hopefully we win a Scottish Cup before the end of the season. You'll know by, by looking at the whites of their eyes if, if they are cut out for, for Champions League football next season. I think Steven Gerrard's been really... Um, Clever this season in the way that he's managed some of the big players. Again, you go back to Stephen Davis, who Gerard has said is, is largely low maintenance. You can almost leave him to it, but you know that come the weekend, he's just going to turn up. Yeah. Um, and probably the same for Alan McGregor. You know you're going to get big performances from these guys. So he's relying on his senior professionals to not necessarily drag us through the season, but just maintain a level of consistency and everyone else will feed off from that. When the Scottish Cup draw was announced and Rangers were to draw Celtic in the last 16, what was your immediate reaction? Um, I was quite pleased. We spoke about this in a podcast last week. and Personally, I think there's a good opportunity for, and this, this is a bit of bloodlust perhaps on my part, um, there's a real opportunity to, to put Celtic's season at a peep, literally by the middle of April um, and I think a lot of Rangers fans would like that I certainly would I would I would like to, to get them to Ibrox next weekend and beat them quite convincingly and put the season look forward to the rest of the season of course it's an old firm tie anything can happen and I think in the last two old firm games Rangers performance has been a little bit sketchy however you only get points by winning games, you only win trophies by winning games and um, I think if Steven Gerrard could go through the full season with an unbeaten record against Celtic, he'd be absolutely delighted to come in the middle of May. You mentioned it just there that, that Rangers' performances recently have been sketchy to quote your terms. What do you put that down to? Is it just the aftermath of finally stopping Celtic's dominance? Um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I think the, the last game at Ibrox, I think Celtic really changed the way they played and, and they went to a sort of diamond in the middle of the pitch. It came at a time when their, their boy Soro was playing really quite well um, and indeed I felt played okay at Ibrox. Um, but as I say, you know, you don't win games by playing well for 30 minutes and I, I think the fact that we've came so far this season kind of illustrates that point perfectly. We are going all out for 90 minutes in every game we play and there's no reason to suggest that when you're going for another trophy, when they come to Ibrox next weekend, that it'll be exactly the same. Rangers will, will really go for, for Celtic. So I think next weekend because 
as I say, that's maybe an argument of, of, of smell and blood and really wrecking this season. The, the three games uh, so far this season in the league have all been very interesting, haven't they? I mean, Rangers won the opening match at Celtic Park 2 0, the two goals from Connor Goldson. The match at Ibrox, Rangers won it with a goal from a corner uh, early in the, well, midway through the second half, I should say. And then the, the, the most recent game was a draw uh, at Celtic Park. How have those meetings, how do you assess those three matches previously with Celtic, in your opinion, Scott? I think in the first one, the, the trip to Celtic Park, but I, I think it's always a, a bit of a nervy occasion. I don't care what anyone says when you, when you travel to Celtic Park. So, particularly the first one of the season, Grant, you're, you're just never sure what you're going to get. Um, Rangers turned up and were excellent. Celtic really never got a look in that day. Um, the, the New Year game, I, I felt Celtic did put a bit more pressure on us, particularly the first half. You could argue they were a better team. There was obviously sending off in the game as well, mm-hmm. which affected things. Um, but again, Rangers came out with three points. Um, Alan McGregor had a super game that day, didn't he? Made a lot of really important saves, especially in the first half. He did, and, and that's, that kind of um, illustrates what I was saying earlier on. He's been a big player for us this season, but he, he's, he's certainly not alone. The last game um, at Celtic Park, I think. Um, it was just good to see Alfredo Morelos score against Celtic. I think for every Rangers fan, they were very aware that that was something that was not necessarily playing on him, but I think every Rangers fan just wanted him to do it. Yeah. Um, and, and for him to do it from a set piece and effectively a tap in, mm-hmm. um, and uh, what is now becoming his infamous hands in the air celebration. Uh, yeah, it was good. Over the, the, the course of the three games so far, um, I think Rangers can be quite delighted with the fact that they've taken seven points from, from nine. There's obviously two more games to go, of course, with only points for the Scottish Cup game. However, with two games at Ibrox still to come against Celtic, I would like to think, and I'm sure Stephen Gerrard will go into these games with quite a decent degree of confidence. Has Stephen Gerrard been targeting causing problems for Celtic at set-pieces because all the goals that Rangers have scored against Celtic this season have come from set-plays? I think he probably has. We, we have um, a, a sort of depth of, of man-mountainry and um, ammunition to throw up when, when we're throwing the ball in the box. I mean, the, the goal at, at Celtic Park was, of course, Leon Balligan thinking a header into that faraway post and Morelos was there to, to slot it in. Goldson's um, goal at the first goal at Celtic Park was, was again from a set piece. So the second one was from a, the second one was from a throw in that was recycled, wasn't it? Absolutely. So we, we do have that that ammunition, if you like, to, to throw up and, and really cause a bit of um, cause a bit of mayhem in, in the opposition's box and and uh, the sort of the incidents I've mentioned that it's worked on each occasion and you want it to work against Celtic because you know that that goal that you get whether it's the first goal second, third goal it's always an important one to get I want to target the match at Ibrox the game that won 1-0 obviously there was the red card in the game do you think Celtic will approach that game in a similar vein to what they did at the start of New Year because obviously going into that match you know Rangers were probably the favourites to win it. Celtic came out and really had a big go. The red card really changed the game, didn't it? And it, it, it kind of played into Rangers' hands. I think it, that might be the sort of game plan that Celtic will say, right, that's the way we approached the game at Ibrox. We worked well to a point. If we try this again, it may work better for us this time. Perhaps, yeah. I mean, I think the obvious difference is that Celtic will come to Ibrox on this occasion when, under a, a different manager. So Neil Lennon was in charge when, when they came back then and um, John Kennedy will... will well, I, I, I would assume it's John Kennedy unless they appoint someone sort of between... Uh, but I, 
mean, the team game plan would be would be largely similar. How I, I think from a Rangers perspective, it'll all be about what Rangers said turns up and, and the, the damage that we can do. We obviously have the, the possibility of going that tie minus Ryan Jack, and, and I think he's a real important player for us because he just anchors things ahead of the back four. And if you've got guys like Tavernier or Nathan mm-hmm. Patterson did, screaming up the right-hand side and Borna Barisic doing the same on the left, Jack gives you that protection for the two centre-halves playing behind him. So um, it'll be very interesting to see what Rangers do for a, a three um, across the centre of the park on that day. But to, to speak to your original point, it's, it's going to be about what Rangers do that day. I, I really believe that. And I think if Rangers start with guys like um, Kent and Morelos, who you'd expect to play, um, Roof, maybe there are thereabouts. And I don't think that you can really discount Scott Wright getting involved in some point in that game as well. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Scott Wright because I want to target the game against Cove Rangers in the previous round where Rangers won 4 0. It was a very professional performance. What did you make of that performance? Because Rangers made quite a few changes for that game. It was quite a polished performance, I felt. I don't think you can really go into games against teams that are just in the Island League and and sort of expect, not necessarily expect too much of a challenge, that's unfair, but you, you know that you're going to go in there as the leading team. You know you're going to go in there and you're going to have to, to, to sort of play, and if they have a low block, you're going to have to be prepared to, to play around them. I felt the first half Rangers were, as I say, polished. They were really professional. Um, it... It was really good to see Jermaine Defoe hit his 30th goal for the club. I think he's been um, really consistent since he came up, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, Roof getting um, a 13th and 14th goal of the season was huge as well. And of course, Nathan Patterson, who's, who's absolutely developing into a wonderful, wonderful footballer. And we said on the um, on the This Side Rocks podcast last week that I felt that if, if Nathan Patterson, um, if he had maybe more games under his belt, I think he'd be going to the Euros in the summer mm-hmm. without doubt mm-hmm. I think what really interested me about Rangers was the performance of Scott Wright obviously our first chance to see him in the flesh what did you make of his performance? I thought it was excellent so there was a lot of eyebrows raised I think when Rangers sort of, um, sort of pushed the boat out to get him in January when we agreed the pre-contract with him I think everyone was largely quite content that he would arrive in the summer he would play out the rest of the season at Pataudry um, but I think he's he's came in the substitution appearances that he, he's made he's been quite impressive it wasn't surprising particularly to see him play against Cove but he looked very good um, one of the, the big things that Steven Gerrard said post-match was how um, technically he's got it all he's got everything you want it to be but I think physically there's a definite marked improvement on him from yes. when he's came down from Aberdeen to Glasgow there's definitely an improvement in his physique which long term um, is only going to be Rangers game yeah. John McLaughlin started in goal I take it you expect Alan McGregor to play uh, the old firm game uh, next Saturday well see this is an interesting one I, I think historically what you often have is you have a, a, almost a league keeper and a cup keeper um, I don't know if that will change a little bit because of it being Celtic mm. to be perfectly honest with you um, my own preference would be as you're going for a trophy you have to go with your strongest possible side um, and for me Alan McGregor will start goals yeah absolutely in terms of Rangers short term goals I mean they still have the chance to go the league season unbeaten and rival that team uh, by Celtic and Brendan Rodgers all those years ago can Rangers go and be in where does unbeaten season rank in your priorities against the Scottish Cup success I think if I was being honest the unbeaten thing doesn't really mean a monkey's to me to be perfectly honest with you I think that is interesting that but the big picture is you know when we started the season priority number one was the league any other trophy in the back of that is a bonus we had a wonderful wonderful run in in the Europa League where we came up against a, a better team from a footballing perspective 
less said about them sort of morally the better I think to be perfectly honest with you um, we we blew it against St Milton to, to get into the chance of the League Cup final which I think and I'm, I'm not being sort of um, I'm not poo-hooing the other teams in the competition at that stage but I think we would have went on and won the League Cup at that point um, we now have the opportunity to, to win a Scottish Cup and I think a lot of people forget that a core group of the of the Rangers squad haven't won a lot they don't have a, a cabinet back in their house full of winners' medals. They don't have it. Mm-hmm. So you would like to think that the players are desperate to get medals as opposed to points on the board after the league has already won. So for me, um, I don't really care about winning all the games this season, but we do want to win that second trophy for the year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and winning the Scottish Cup, if you were to beat Celtic, you then face Clyde Orsh and Johnston at home. The path does open up for Rangers, doesn't it, to, to go on and, and reach another final and, as you say, perhaps win the, the trophy again? Well, it does a wee bit, certainly. Yeah, but you have to win the games. And you, you know yourself, Grant, you've been the game a long time. Stephen Gerrard will just be taking it one game at a time. He'll be mentioning words like humble, etc. We've heard him say that a lot this season, and it's, it's absolutely right. What he'll be looking for is he'll be looking ahead to the next game. And I dare say Stephen Gerrard will be will be looking forward to trying to knock Celtic out. And then if it's Clyde St. John's the next, then so be it. But focus number one, the Scottish Cup has to be Celtic at home. If Rangers were to come unstuck against Celtic, would that put a dampener on Rangers' season as a whole, or would it just be a mere footnote because obviously Rangers won the league? I think it would be a footnote to be honest with you. I mean, as I said, 55 was was the, the real deal for us this year. We had to get that 55th league championship over the line. We wanted it badly, um, and it was a big season to get it for, for all the obvious reasons that people um, people know about. Um, it was really important that we done that. I think, as I said, there, there should be a hunger now. Stephen Gerrard and Ross Wilson, indeed, this week have spoke about how there should now be a hunger for more trophies, more medals, uh, more big performances. Um, and you would like to think that the guys have now got a taste of everything that happened over the last couple of weeks, the celebrations that we've seen, uh, the fans loving it. You you would imagine that the players want more of that. They become greedy, and uh, I would like to think that the the fans are right up for, for trying to get to Hamden and, and winning the Scottish Cup this season. There seems to be a, a progression with Rangers into next season as well, because obviously James Tavernier and Alan McGregor have signed uh, for their contracts. That must be a big positive for yourself as a fan. Absolutely, it's great to have these guys on board. McGregor's a, a, a big senior player um, to have in there. I, I think he, he installs quite a bit of confidence throughout the squad. He, Stephen Davis, again, is, is a chap who's, who's signed on for another season. We spoke about him in the, mm-hmm. the last 20 minutes or so, and I, I think the importance of getting him secured for another year is absolutely massive. I would like to think that over the next wee while, you maybe hear guys like Connor Goltz and even Glenn Kamara and perhaps ex- extending their time further at Rangers. We haven't mentioned the Europa League run that Rangers were on, but how important was the Europa League run to help Rangers in the league and domestically as well? Because, yes, they lost to Slavia Prague, but I get the feeling that there was a lot of positives that were taken from that run that were applied in, in the league. I think it gave us the opportunity to, to maybe try out some, some different systems as well, Grant. You know, we we did play really well in the campaign and we, we came unstuck against that, a team that was better than us, as, as I've said. I think what it did do is it, it allowed... One example, perhaps, is Alfredo Morelos and how his game has changed this season. Last season, sort of marauding, bullying, sort of centre-forward who he knew was almost going to be on the end of a lot of different things. However, this season, and it's been a combination of, obviously, the way he's been coached, but I think playing against European teams he has been playing 
uh, a little bit deeper. He's been dropping deeper to take the ball. He's, he's just changed different parts of his game. Um, and, and Rangers have been richer for it. And I think the Europa League campaign will be one they look back this season on um, has been another sort of gold star, if you like, for Steven Gerrard from a, from a European football perspective. If we can get to the Champions League next season, it'll be massive for us. You are part of the very successful This Is Ibrox podcast, bringing you weekly Champions in Capital Letters content for free, <laughs> including podcasts, interviews and the occasional blog. Can you tell us a bit more about the, the podcast and how people can interact with it? Of course, so our pod has now been running for a year. Um, we've got a, a really first-class group of guys behind us we we do a the, the sort of weekly men's pod recently we've started the women's pod as well which is, is beginning to take off which is very exciting for us um, you can catch us every week in all the usual places that you get your pod to be honest with you can YouTube Spotify you know them all I don't need to name them <laughs> um, but yeah it's a it's a it's a really good forum that we're on, I have to say. We're, we're happy with, with the, the good content we're putting out and um, we invite everyone to, to nip on and have a listen and by all means leave your comments for us. Yeah, I mean, you've had some fantastic interviews. I mean, you've, you've spoken to people like Gaika Mendieta, haven't you, the, the Valencia yeah. midfielder, and a range of uh, really great Rangers heroes of past and, and obviously present too. Yeah, absolutely. We, we've been we've been lucky enough to be afforded some of these guys' times with a conversation with Mendieta and Jaran Dubois, Mark Waldburton and, and Davy Weir as well. So um, yeah, we've been lucky. These guys have been good enough to, to afford us some of their time. We've also had some guest appearances on our on our pod. Jimmy Nichols joined us, Jim Stewart, former goalkeeping coach, Gordon Smith has, has afforded us his time a couple of times. So um, we're very lucky that, that these guys are, are able to take time out and, and come and speak to us about Rangers for an hour or so. We're very lucky in the it, it, it's certainly going to be a very interesting Scottish Cup game uh, I'm sure against Celtic a match you can watch live on Premier Sports if people are wanting to, to check yourself out personally Scott where can they find you on Twitter so they can find me I'm at Scotty Patterson 6 um, so you can find me there um, but obviously I would direct everyone to our This Is Ibrox Twitter handle which is at This Is Ibrox fantastic stuff Scott very much appreciated of that well best of luck to Rangers for that match against Celtic I'm sure it'll be a very exciting game for the neutral like myself and I'm sure many others listening in for Rangers and Celtic fans it might be a little bit more nerve wracking but I'm sure it'll be a very interesting watch best of luck and thanks for coming on the SPFL 42 show to chat all things Rangers with me well, it's a certainly a very interesting game, Rangers against Celtic. We've heard uh, from Scott Parson from This Is Ibrox to hear the Rangers side of that uh, Scottish Cup last 60 match. And now I'm joined uh, for the Celtic point of view uh, by Colin Watt, who is the host of the Football Insomniac podcast on A State of Mind. Uh, Colin, a warm welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me, Grant. Yeah, it's good to be on. It's uh, great to have you. Um, what has this season been like for Celtic? Because obviously seeing your bitter rivals win the league title cannot have been good fun at all. I'll try and keep this clean. It's been a, a terrible season so far. Um, there hasn't been very many highlights. Um, and it, it's been difficult, especially after having that sort of period of dominance of Scottish football over the last nine years. Um, I guess a lot of fans across the league will say, well, it's about time there was a bit of change, um, and I mean I can I can understand that. But as a Celtic fan, you always want your team to do the best they can, and it just doesn't seem to have went that way this season. Yeah, um, performances haven't been great. Certain individuals have taken flak, and um, certain individuals have lost their job because of it. So um, definitely 
something that was probably coming at Celtic. You could probably see it for a while that there was uh, a bit of change needed and um, a complete restructuring was coming. Um, doesn't make it any easier when it actually does happen, though. It's been, yeah. <laughs> it's been a hard one this year. No, absolutely. Did Celtic fall asleep at the wheel a little bit at the end of last season? Obviously, they'd won the Scottish Cup, you know, to seal the quadruple treble, but... Up until the start of the season, you know, they, they started the season well. They beat Hamilton in the first game of season 5-1. I think everybody was thinking yeah, yeah. Celtic look a really good, fresh machine this year. They really look determined. But it all seemed to fall apart very, very quickly after that opening game. I mean, certain fans um, would say that it was this season where the wheels came off. But for me, I've always said a way back to the, the treble-treble final. When after Celtic beat Hearts and Neil Lennon was appointed, basically hours after the game, that was the point where things started to go wrong. Uh, we managed to get away with it, I would say, last season. Um, and I'm still adamant that if the league wasn't stopped last year, Celtic would have went on to win by more than the points tally they were currently sitting at. But there was even some kind of flashpoints during that season, being taken to extra time by Dunfermline in the League Cup, some of the performances in the league. And certainly the performance against the performances against Rangers over the last eighteen months or so have just been subpar. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's easy to say that oh it's just one bad season. But if you had a bit of hindsight, you look back at it, you would say well it probably started long before then, and this is just the culmination of all these factors coming together. Have Celtic been unfortunate with injuries to key players? I mean, James Forrest has been a massive loss for me this season mm-hmm. for Celtic. Yeah, I mean, you can say that and you can go back to the fact that they, they missed 13 players because of the trip to Dubai, whether you blame Celtic for that or not. Um, other things like volleyball and golly going away to Spain and having that sort of issue and Celtic not playing for two weeks. There's so many things that you can put down to it, but when you look at the performances on the park, there should be more than enough to to pick up these uh, points that they should be getting. I mean, for me, it's not the results against Rangers that have determined how Celtic have played this season. It's dropping points against Ross County, against St Mirren, against teams that traditionally you'd expect Celtic to maybe knock three or four past. Mm. And especially if you were at the bookies, you wouldn't see the odds in St Mirren beating Celtic being anything more than I'll throw a couple of pence on it. It's not something that you'd really expect. So yeah. for me, that it's those results that have cost Celtic desperately this season. Yeah. Um, and that's what's put them completely out of the out of the race. So there's there's a lot of guys in that park, and anyone who tunes into a Celtic State of Mind will know Ryan Christie's like my trigger word this year. Um, his performances has just frustrated the life out of me. What do you put that down to? Is it just a lack of confidence? Is it, you know, maybe just... The, I, I, I'm thinking of the, the, the Serbia game for Scotland. You know, he had a mm-hmm. really great performance there. And, and that maybe has been his ceiling this season. It's maybe just been a lack of consistency. I, I don't really know. Uh, I mean, I, what you can say about Ryan Christie is he doesn't lack confidence. Because if you weren't confident, you wouldn't be shooting from 30, 40 yards as much as what he does. Mm. Um but I think it is, it's this consistency because you, you can see what he does. He, he does score goals for Scotland. He does have the ability to ping one in from 25, 30 yards. He did it against Falkirk at the, uh, in the last round of the Scottish Cup. He's got that ability, but it's almost as if the pressure of this season's just been put on his shoulders and he's been the one that's like, well, if I don't score, who else is going to score? Yeah. There's been times this season where he's took a shot from 30 yards where... 
the better option was to play someone else in. Um, his set pieces never ever get past the first man. It's been really frustrating, um, and I don't know if it's just that he's got his head on potentially where his next move is going to be. I, I've heard rumours that he's already been touting himself now down south for the last 12 to 18 months, so I think he's looking at the next stage of his career and he's not really concentrating on the bread and butter that if he does well for Celtic, better teams will come in instead of maybe the teams that have allegedly had interest in them. Before we talk about the, the battles against Rangers this season, what have you made of some of Celtic's signings in this campaign? Because I think defensively, Celtic have been very poor this season, especially at set plays. The goalkeeper Barkas for £5 million. Shane Duffy's come into Scottish football, really struggled, I felt. You know, defensively, Celtic have looked in trouble, as I've said, from corners and free kicks. What, what have you made of Celtic this season defensively? Defensively, again, it's been a, a complete shambles. I think if you look at the statistics, it's almost 70% of the goals that Celtic have conceded have come either directly or indirectly from set pieces um, this season. And it's not the way it should be. You take a look at that Celtic defence, you're talking about someone like Christopher Ayer, a big command and centre-half. Shane Duffy, someone you just mentioned, who should be a big command and centre-half. You shouldn't be losing those balls in the air. You shouldn't be conceding that amount of goals from set pieces. But again, it all comes down to the tactics. You take a look at the game against the Rangers at Celtic Park a couple of weeks ago. Alfredo Morello scores a tap-in at the back post. Yep. No one's on the back post. Mm -hmm. That's been Celtic's thing this season. They've never put anyone on the back post for a corner. Um, and they've been losing far too many free headers in the air. So I don't know if it's just they've not been working on it, or this is what the, the way they've been told to play, this sort of zonal marking system. But it's really cut us open and you can see teams are definitely trying to attack it. Livingston with their long throws, anyone who gets a set piece, they just know, mm -hmm. throw it in the box and you never know what yeah. you're going to get. Yeah, no, absolutely. Let's talk about the three battles that Celtic Rangers have had this season because it, it, they've all been very intriguing contests. I mean, obviously the first one at, at Parkhead, Rangers winning 2-0 with the two goals from Connor Goldson um, and then Rangers winning the 1-0 at Ibrox, uh, the game just at New Year. And then, as you mentioned most recently, the 1-0 draw at Celtic Park. All frustrating performances from a Celtic fan point of view, I would take. Yeah, definitely. If you go back and take them in um, in their individuality, the first game, Celtic were missing quite a few key players and it really did show. Mm. Um, starting the match with Patrick Clamalla up front really didn't help matters. Um, and as soon as, as soon as Rangers scored that first goal, you just knew there wasn't a way back into it for Celtic. Um, so that the first one of the season was an absolute dominant performance from Rangers and you give that to them hands down. The second game at Ibrooks, you really thought Celtic were coming into this. They'd started on this a bit of a run, mm. and if there was any chance of them salvaging anything out of the season, it had to be with picking up three points at Ibrooks. And I don't know, it was just one of those performances where there was chances created left, right, and centre. They could have maybe been two, three nil up. I mean, Alan McGregor produces one of the. Out. I mean, Alan McGregor produces one of the saves of the season, doesn't he, from Lee Griffiths? Absolutely, and. Alan McGregor, it shows you the difference of a really good goalkeeper. I mean, some people will say maybe Barkas or Bain. Um, I wouldn't say Hazard as much, but Barkas and Bain have maybe cost Celtic so many points this season. Mm. I think Alan McGregor's definitely saved Rangers mm. so many points since he's came back. And that's the key of having a good, solid defender and having a good, solid defence in front of you. It can mm -hmm. win you points. It's not just about the strikers at the other end. It's keeping the ball out your own net. Um, but as I was saying, Celtic could have easily been two or three goals up at Ibrox before the red card. And then after that, 
I think we just went into shell shock. We didn't really know how to play. The goal comes as McGregor kind of deflects the ball in from his uh, defending his own corner. So it was one of those frustrating ones where Rangers, I don't think, had a single shot on target that game and still managed to win the game one nil. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. Yeah. Um, and then the most recent game, uh, Celtic started really well again. The goal coming from Elanusi, and then just another defensive lapse. Mm-hmm. And after that, it was almost played at a pre-season pace. Yeah. Celtic didn't want to lose, but then Rangers weren't overly fussed about winning. Mm-hmm. It was just a case of seeing it out. Let's not get injured, and they walked off the park. Yeah. And that's the most frustrating thing is for Celtic fans is you look at it and you think that was a chance. Okay, the league was gone. Rangers already won the league, but that's a chance to get some pride back, to get some momentum, and carry that forward for next season. And yeah. Again, we totally blew it. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned Callum McGregor there earlier on. Has he been the one player that's got too much flack from Celtic fans and the media for you? I can understand where a lot of fans come from uh, with the Callum McGregor thing, but what I think you don't see is the kind of movement and the positioning that he does off the ball. Um, for me, he's always someone that's looking to get on the ball. He's always in space, always finds his pass. But he's playing in a totally different position to what a lot of fans would expect from Callum McGregor. I think they, they remember him as this kind of attacking midfield player that will get forward, they'll score you 10 goals a season. He's always in and around the area to kind of put away some chances. But this year he's sat a lot further back. Um, and before Scott Brown was dropped in November, it was almost as if you were playing with four central defenders. The two that you had and McGregor and Brown just sitting in front of them and they kind of interlapped. I don't know if that's a career choice from McGregor or he's been told that's where he has to play. But for me, I think when you get on the ball, and especially when he's 20, 25 yards out from goal, there's no one better in the league with a left foot than yeah. Callum McGregor. So hopefully when the new manager comes in, it kind of gives him this um, creative freedom to move further up the park and you can see the best out of Callum McGregor. And speaking of the new manager, obviously Neil Lennon was relieved of his duties a while back now. Are you surprised that Celtic have not appointed a manager before now? I'm, I'm really surprised, um, especially when you think that season ticket renewals are probably not too far away. A lot of fans are probably be on the fence on whether to renew. There's a lot going on right now. I know fans have maybe lost their jobs because of the current pandemic. Finances are obviously tighter with everything that's going on. Um, fans are completely disillusioned with the, the information that's been fed out from the board with the performances last season. Not really receiving any value for your season ticket this year mm-hmm. from Celtic as well so I think the club's got a massive PR campaign that they, yep. they need to do to encourage the, to get the level of support that they had last year to get I think it was just around 57,000 season mm-hmm. tickets last year Yes, which considering we didn't know when we would get back into the grounds that's an incredible achievement Absolutely. but if you want to get to that level again you're going to have to put down some precedent to say look we understand this was a bad season but here's what we're doing to make it right. We started here, we've got Dominic Mackay in as the new CEO, and your new manager is, and I think most Celtic fans now are kind of hoping it's Eddie Howe, but over the last few days we've been completely unsure about what's mm-hmm. going to happen. And if you get that announcement of here is your new manager, mm-hmm. at least fans can then make their decision and say, well, I'm behind that, I support him, and I'm going to help as much as I can. I mean, it seems John Kennedy is really keeping the sea warm, isn't it, for whoever's coming in, and I think it's uh, really unfair on him, really, because even if he had won the Scottish Cup, there's probably a low chance, if any chance, that he would get the job. That's my personal opinion, but it's certainly been very intriguing to see him moving on in that role. I think John Kennedy's always been waiting for this opportunity. Um, that If 
he comes in and there's an, another manager and it's not him, that'll be the fourth manager he's potentially worked under. I think he's worked under Lennon twice, um, Dyla and Brendan Rodgers. So he's kind of bided his time. But when I look at it, there's not really been anything to suggest to me that John Kennedy has that that skill base to be a manager mm. when I look at him. I mean, this season's been completely unique to any other in the fact that you've been able to bring on five substitutions. That's five chances for you to go and change that game. Mm. Okay, you get to do it in three different intervals, four if you include half-time. But that's five players you can bring on that can completely change the game, almost half the team. And yet we still see maybe one sub here, one sub there. The game against Rangers, I think we waited until the 81st minute to make a change. That's the opportunity where you have to take a risk, take a gamble and believe in yourself and believe in what you're doing to say, right, this isn't working. I'm going to plan B and it doesn't look as if he has that Um, if you've not picked that up under working under some some good coaches and some good managers by now I don't think you'll ever have it Um, so for me he's he's not manager material you can see the odds are tumbling but that's for the old one if you put him on and he he manages 10 games you get your money back at the bookie so I think a lot of people are just hoping that maybe the Howe appointment or whoever it is that's going to come in will wait a wee bit longer because they've got money on Kennedy to (laughs) to stick it out (laughs) It's certainly interesting to see what happens there obviously Celtic are away to Ibrox in the next round of the Scottish Cup let's talk about the win against Falkirk in the round previously because it was a pretty routine win for Celtic wasn't it? It was in the end Um, I think another one where the amount of chances that we had and squandered was was very frustrating. Lee Griffiths was not the typical Lee Griffiths that you've come to expect over the last couple of years. Some of the chances that he kind of wasted in the first half were criminal. Um, and then the second half, once Celtic got that goal, it was, a, as you say, very routine. James Forrest, great to see him coming back into the side after being out for so long. I'm sure Steve Clark will be delighted as well. It's another option for him for the Euros this summer. Yeah. Um, and then, for me, the, the kind of highlight goal was um, Mohamed Delanousis. Um His dink over the goalkeeper just showed, for me, why he's worth the potential £5 million that's been spoke about that Celtic might have to pay to get him on a permanent basis. And for me... After 15 goals this season, it's a complete no-brainer. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned Lee Griffiths there. Is his days as a Celtic player numbered, do you think? It'll be interesting to see what happens when the new manager comes in. Um, I mean, you take a look at it, you've had Brendan Rodgers and Neil Lennon who have both struggled to get the best out of Lee Griffiths over the last couple of years. I know he's went through a lot off the park and the support that Celtic have shown him has been second to none, in my opinion. The mm. fact that they've managed to keep him on, they've got him through everything, they've, they've took, taken care of him and got him back to the stage where, just before the league was called last season, he was back to the league Griffiths of old. He scored a hatchet in the last game against St Mirren, before, uh, which was Celtic's last game before the league was called. So you were getting the best out of him, but that break of maybe four or five months it just destroyed him. He came back unfit and... There's some Celtic fans that will tell you now, even with like five games to go in the season, he's still not fit. Mm. And if that's the case, his contract's supposedly up in the summer. I think it might be best for both parties to kind of start again. And I think Lee Griffiths will agree if he's not going to get the 30, 40 games a season that he wants at this age you'll have to move on and get it somewhere else. I must admit, I thought the Scottish Cup was a perfect opportunity for Lee Griffiths to showcase why he's still an important 
member for Celtic Football Club. You know, obviously this season, Odson Edward looks like he'll be moving on at the end of the season. He's been an absolutely fantastic player for Celtic and still scoring a load of goals. But you look at the top end of the pitch, Klamala been struggling for goals. Ayeti had a great start but had injuries and not really kicked on. You go mention Elianusi, he's not really a striker but he's contributed with goals. It just seems that Celtic need a bit more at the top end of the pitch. Definitely, and there was, a, there was a point made on one of the shows the other week about Celtic only playing one up front against Falkirk, but when you look at it, who would be the two up there? Mm. There's not two that's managed to kind of put a partnership together. A lot of people will say maybe Edward and Griffiths, but Griffiths hasn't been getting game time, so that's difficult. The best combination I've seen so far this season has been Edward and Elanoussi. Mm-hmm. And as you say, Elanoussi's not a traditional striker, he's more of a, a sort of number 10 or a shadow striker, so... Um, you're, you're right, we, we do need to strengthen in the striking options next season. You're talking about Celtic potentially needing to sign two or three strikers this summer if, Ed, if um, Odson Edward leaves and Lee Griffiths leaves and as the talk is at the minute, Patrick Clamalla leaves. I, I mean, Bio could come back in, but for me, I don't see Bio being the, the answer to Celtic's problems. So there's uh, a big, big gap that needs to be filled in the summer. How huge is this Scottish Cup game for Celtic in this season personally for you? It's massive. It's absolutely massive. Um, when you look at it, as I mentioned earlier, Celtic fans are really looking for. Comes from, comes from. Putting, Yeah, it's it's like putting it's like polishing a tub this year. I mean, we know how bad the season's been, but if you can put a, a slight bow on it and just say, "Well, we won the Scottish Cup, and in that we beat Rangers and we knocked them out at Ibrox," that's something that can be carried into next season. It's all about momentum. When you look at it, Livingston went on a 14-game unbeaten run after David Martindale came in. That was all about the momentum that got them into the top six. Mm. Celtic need to get that momentum going as well, even if it's just a case of winning the Scottish Cup and winning the last five league games of the season. It might not count for a lot, but you can imagine that the atmosphere within the dressing room picks up, everyone's suddenly buzzing and looking forward to next season, whereas at the minute, it just feels as if it's going to... Peter out to a whimper. If Celtic are going to win the game at Ibrox, what do they need to do well, do you think? I think they have to look at what has worked for them over the last two games against Rangers. Um, certainly coming out and having a go at them. As much as Rangers haven't conceded a lot of goals this season, Celtic have shown that if you have a go at Rangers, they're there to be gotten. Um, the goal from Mohamed el set it up. And as you mentioned earlier, if it wasn't for Alan McGregor, they could have been a couple of goals down at Ibrox. Mm. Celtic can really pin them back and get them on the back foot. And they just have to go into the game with no fear. What do they have to lose? It's not as if there's uh, a kind of, well, if we lose, it's the worst thing in the world. Yeah. There's been a lot worse that's happened this season. They just have to go in the game with complete no fear have a go at them for 90 minutes I know we tire after 65-70 so you have to get the game maybe 2-3 up by half time or maybe by the 60th minute and then hope you can hold on for that victory This is a slight sort of angled question I'm going to ask you here but the fact that Rangers were knocked out of the Europa League by Slavia Prague does that maybe help them in some ways? I know what you're saying with the idea that there's probably got less games for them to play Um Rangers have been really, really good this season. There's, there's no denying that, um, and their performances in the in Scottish football have shown. I think they've maybe only conceded 11 goals across 33 games this season, mm-hmm. um, which is a phenomenal return. But as you get towards the end of the season, the legs are getting heavier, um, and everyone's already thinking about next season. 
everyone goes into a Celtic Rangers game with a one intention. You want to win that game. And I know no matter what the performance may be at the weekend, even if they lose their unbeaten run, they'll come into this game against Celtic with the intention of we want to win this and Celtic have to be the exact same. So um, to kind of answer your question, I don't think it will make much of a difference. They could have been playing on the Thursday night. It would have still been, yes. we want to go and win this game. And everyone finds that extra 10% for these games. Yeah, no, absolutely. Do you take kind of inspiration for a side like St Mirren, who, who beat Rangers in, a, in the, the League Cup? Definitely. I mean, as I said earlier, it does show that Rangers are gettable. And you take a look at where they were potentially at their weakest and Celtic will have to try and exploit it. Tavernier been out for the last game at Celtic Park and they played Balogun, I think it was, yes, at right was. back. Mm-hmm. Celtic found that if they were down the left-hand side, they were getting a lot of joy. And it wasn't until Nathan Patterson came on in the second half where it kind of it sort of balanced out. But Celtic have to exploit those weaknesses that are there, no matter who it is that's missing. Um, and really have a go at them. They are gettable. They've conceded quite a few goals in Europe. We've managed to get one past them. You've seen what St Mirren can do. <sighs> Again, Rangers fans listening will go, oh, well, but we haven't conceded a lot of goals. No, I get that, and I respect that completely. But from a Celtic point of view, I don't think there's anything to fear coming up against them. If you were to win against uh, Rangers, you'd be drawn against St Johnston or Clyde in the quarterfinals. It looks like a, you would then be probably the favourites to go on and, and lift the trophy if you were to beat Rangers. I think that'll be the same regardless who wins that tie. Um, and when you look at it, at the start of the season, Celtic and Rangers are obviously always the favourites to win all the trophies in Scottish football. Um, but the fact that they're playing them so early into the competition, it does give you that momentum. But all you have to do is take a look at the League Cup this season and see the teams that were in the League Cup final to tell you that not everything's a guarantee. Celtic crashed out, then Rangers crashed out, and congratulations to St Johnston for going on and beating Livingston in the final. Um, For me, I think we're at this stage of the season um, where whoever wins this game will probably go on to win the Scottish Cup, but nothing's ever guaranteed. Yeah, absolutely. And then final question to you, Colin, because I've really enjoyed this. You're obviously part of the the Celtic State of Mind podcast. Where can people listen to that and and let us know about some of your content that you have on already? Sure. So we are on uh, YouTube, on Facebook and on Twitter every day. The Celtic State of Mind goes out for the lunchtime bulletin at 12.30, Monday to Friday. And we threw in a couple of weekend podcasts just just to keep you amused. we do the pre-match, post-match and half-time analysis too. So you'll check, you'll, you'll catch Paul John Dykes over there along with some of the Celtic State of Mind crew. Um, and I'm delighted to confirm that one of the SPFL 42 is actually going to be my new co-host on yes. my own podcast, which is the, the Football Insomniac podcast. At the minute, we're going out at Wednesdays at 11 o'clock, but that's moving on the 23rd of this month to Fridays at 6pm and I'm joined by Callum McFadden. Um, I've known Callum for years and years. We used to play football together growing up so we, we discuss all the sort of topics that keep you up at night in regards to football. Um, I had Rory Hamilton from BT Sport on the other day and we were discussing the Glen Kamara situation and tied it in with what's happening with the Valencia um, I forget the boy's name the Mamadou Bukhtar I think he's, Yeah he's I think so yeah um, we discussed that, we discussed um, whether Sergio Aguero was the best Premier League striker um, and it's, it's just light-hearted entertainment and it's that sort of um, the kind of off the ball, which like we, we discuss the topics that's not always discussed in the mainstream um, Except it's not petty and ill-informed 
No, no, we try and it's not petty and ill-informed. We try and make sure that we've got a lot of stats to back up what we're seeing. Uh, but no, it's, it's great. And Callum joining us will be a fantastic addition to the team and we look forward to that yep. in a couple of weeks' time. And where can people find you for your content, Colin? So I'm on Twitter at Colin88Watt. Um, I don't really do Facebook or Instagram, uh, but you'll catch me on there and as I said, Fridays at 6pm on A State of Mind YouTube, the Football Insomniac, so check it out. Absolutely, you can check out Colin, as he's just mentioned there, at Colin88Watt on Twitter, host of the Football Insomniac podcast on A State of Mind, new episodes every Wednesday, and A State of Mind, the team behind the award-winning A Celtic State of Mind podcast, multimedia production company, podcast series, music and more. Go check that out at A State underscore of underscore mind on Twitter Colin best of luck to Celtic in the Old Firm Derby I'm sure it'll be a really entertaining watch and thanks very much for coming on the SPFL 42 show thanks very much Grant we've already heard from Scott Patterson of this is Ibrox podcast about Rangers and we've heard from Colin Watt from a Celtic state of mind I'm now joined by the host of the Highland Football Weekly podcast to talk about all things associated with Inverness, Ross County and a range of other Highland football sides. It is the host of the Highland Football Weekly podcast, Ian Ald. Ian, a warm welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Grant. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be alongside you. It's great to uh, chat with you at long last. How have these last few months been? Because you have seen quite a bit more football than most of us. Yeah, to be honest, <clears throat> I'm very... Um, very fortunate to have been at a couple of games recently. Um, the, well, the the the, the Brora, um Hearts game. I'm sure we're going to talk about, and then the Stranraer game. And uh, I've been involved with Inverness Cali Thistle uh, over the last uh, couple of weeks, and been to three of their games. So, yeah, you know, it's kind of you have to pinch yourself um, at, the, at this moment in time. And and I genuinely are, you know, genuinely, I'm really honoured uh, and privileged to be, you know, able to. To get inside the ground and attend games, I had a, I had a sausage roll and a cake at Brora at the weekend as well, and even that, just that novelty at half time, it's just, um, yeah, as I say, very privileged to be in that position. Yeah, absolutely. You're the host of the Highland Football Weekly podcast, a football podcast talking to characters past and present on the Highland football scene. Can you tell us a little bit more about how the podcast came about and some of the people you've interviewed? Yeah, I mean, um, it's always been a bit of a, a, an ambition of mine um, to to start a podcast. Yeah, it was kind of swithering for probably about a year and a half, to, you know, trying to get off the ground. Um, I used to be involved in in the radio, uh, Murray Firth Radio in Inverness, and and I, I loved that, you know, that um, you know daily. Um, sorry, weekly involvement with you know football characters and very privileged to be uh, interviewing the likes of Terry Butcher, Derek Adams on a weekly basis. And uh, I stepped away from that professionally. Obviously, I, I went to actually work for Inverness Cali Thistle um, in a kind of um, a commercial capacity, having had a sales background as well. So, kind of stepped away from the kind of football um, reporting journalistic side, if you like. And um, and yeah, I suppose the the, the Podcast is a way of me just in, indulging my my love of the the kind of football media and, and that kind of hobby I have, and it's been great. I mean, it launched it last year. There's I mean, there's so many brilliant, you, you know, yourself included, so many brilliant um, podcasts on the scene as well, and and really giving an insight into you know some of the characters and and, and Highland football and uh, Northeast as well. Um, I've been very lucky to have on you know uh, well you know. Um, I'm trying to think of the top of my head. I mean, Steve P. 
Kelly Patterson is the one for me. He was brilliant to interview, former Cali manager. Uh, John Hughes, current Ross County manager, uh, Cali Thistle boss. Um, Derek Adams as well, I mentioned earlier on. I was very lucky to get some time with him. But, you know, just the guys that are currently playing have just recently stopped playing. Um, you know, there's some, there's some, yeah, some, some great guys uh, in the scene here, and, and everyone's got their own individual story to tell. I mean, uh, there has been a lot of kind of common games and and moments um, that have cropped up across a number of podcasts. You know, for example, the, the 2015 Cali Thistle Scottish Cup winning side. I've spoken to a few of those guys, but everyone. Every single story is different. Absolutely. So, so yeah, it's it's been not it's been it's been brilliant. Uh, as I said, all fair to yourself. I've had a wee bit of a, a break from a uh, from the podcasting this week just to give myself a bit of an Easter break. But uh, no, enjoying it and, and loving it, and hopefully you know listeners are too. One of your most recent podcasts is with Kenny Gilbert, and I think you should go and check that out because I really uh, listened to that and I thought it was really good. And you also did one uh, on the Scottish Cup third round preview along with ourselves at the SPFL 42 show. You you spoke with uh, Neil McCann and John Hughes, and of course there was a really exciting Highland derby in the previous round. Yeah, that's right. It was well. To be fair, I mean the the Highland derby um, is a is a fixture that has always produced over the last couple of years. Um, you know, other derbies, bigger derbies, if you like, or so called bigger derbies, have kind of failed to produce. You know, at times they always uh, they, they never really live up to the the pre match billing. But the Highland derby always delivers, and I was delighted to see. Of course, you know the the the, the third round draw was made. It feels like um, forever, um, but um, it was made at the, the end of last year and Ross County knew that they were going to face either Bucky Thistle or, or Cali Thistle and when Cali Thistle beat Bucky Thistle, narrowly in the end that has to be said, uh, I think that uh, the derby was much anticipated by both sets of supporters, players, as you mentioned, Neil McCann and John Hughes now uh, in charge of both Cali Thistle and Ross County respectively. There's a very nice story there with Neil McCann having played under John Hughes and John Hughes of course won the Scottish Cup with Cali Thistle, so a very interesting story as well. So it was much anticipated but unfortunately supporters couldn't get through mm-hmm. the turnstiles for this one but I mean as I said the Highland Derby has been I think a very underrated derby in, in, in kind of wider Scottish football circles but it always delivers and it delivered on Friday night in spectacular fashion it was um, I mean more so for Cali Thistle but well, it was a great game of football Yeah absolutely it was and one of the stories of the Scottish Cup has been another Highland side in Brora Rangers I mean they sensationally uh, beat Hearts and you had the privilege of commentating at, at that game just tell us your emotions of seeing a bit of history being created that night uh, well, to be honest, uh, to, well, to be honest, Grant. I mean, uh, listeners of of my podcast and people who know me, um, I'm Edinburgh born and bred. I'm a massive jumbo, um, a former season ticket holder at uh, Tynecastle, and of course, since I moved up to the Highlands, I've, uh, my my love of hearts has never never dwindled, but my um, my attendances have. So I've never really been able to to attend you know regular games on a regular basis. Um, I normally look for them when they're up in this neck of the woods and I'm always you know, keen to, to go and see them when they play like Sir Ross County and Cali Thistle Elgin City a few years ago as well in the League Cup but uh, the, the Broda game was completely different of course um, I'd, I'd done some uh, commentary work for the club this season previously 
and as you can imagine, I was over the moon when they they asked me to you know to come along and, and commentate on the game because of course you know for me as a as a Highland Jambo it was was a great you know chance to see to see my team. Um, but what what um, unfolded uh, during that ninety minutes, I'm not sure I want to see much more of that from my, from my team. But to be honest, you know I've, you know I've I've covered Calithis on Ross County down the years for local radio um, and and being involved in games when they've played Hearts and I've always adopted that that kind of biased approach towards the home team uh, you know it's not I was going to say it's not something that comes natural but it but it does and that's a weird way of saying it because I am a massive supporter of, of Hearts but in terms of my emotions I was you know first and foremost just wanted to call the game as I saw it yes. you know and, and to be fair okay there was I was there employed by Brora to, to commentate on the game but the the majority of the audience would have been Hearts fans so I kind of tried to keep a quite impartial view on things but uh, I like to get carried away uh, when watching football and it was very easy to get carried away when that stunning goal from Jordan McRae got Brora off and running and then the, the way the game was going you know your skill when you watch a game of football you can you, you know had Hearts scored a, a late winner Against Brora, then you, you would have felt sorry for Brora because they gave they gave it all. The story going into the game, they only had a couple of um, training sessions. Despite you know people on Twitter saying that they struggled to field a team, they they, they didn't. They had a you know a really solid eleven. They did have some issues you know getting ready for the game because they had that short time scale. But they they really gave it their all. They, they performed so well on the night. So you would have felt really sorry for them had they not got something from the game. Mm-hmm. And equally, when they scored that that goal, 15 minutes towards the end, you know it was just elation. So my emotions were all over the place to be honest with you. But in, in the same time, you know I'm very fortunate to have had you know like of Stephen McCann. I um, and Craig Campbell on, on my own podcast, Joe Marlin, the captain as well. You know, so y- you kind of get a, a good relationship with these guys, good rapport with these guys, and y- you kind of felt delighted for them. You know, really happy for them that they got the result. So it, it, my emotions were all over the place, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, really happy for you know some great guys involved at Brora, and uh, uh, yeah. Not not so not so happy with Robbie Nielsen and Co. Yeah, absolutely. And and I've spoken to Stephen Mackay in the past and he's such a, a really passionate guy and, and Craig Campbell is a, a great assistant to him as well. And you mentioned Joe Mallon there. I thought he had a, a really a very good game in the in the game against Hearts. In terms of the match against Trinrar, obviously that was a, a, the next game for Brora. How how surprised were you about the game did you did you think the Brora would get through? Were you surprised that Stranraer managed to, to turn the game around after going behind? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because Brora were actually favourites going into the game. Um, the bookies them as the favourites because of what they'd done against Hearts in the the previous round. Stranraer, um you know, are, were going well by all um, by all accounts in League Two. They'd only lost three league games all season. I know that the league season's been a bit kind of weird, but they'd only lost three, and two of them were Queen were it. Uh, were against Queen's Park, the, the runaway leaders. So yeah. it was a, a bit of a strange one. Uh, but I mean, I was confident that Broda would, would get through. I thought that they would cause an upset. But of course, when the when the tables um, have turned and then you know the favourites, there's a wee bit of pressure on you. Mm. Um, I felt that you know Broda grew into the game. 
um, deserved, you know, to go in at front uh, in front at the break. Second half, Strunar came out at them, and you know, it was a it was a difficult watch, I suppose, from a broader point of view in the in the second half, because Strunar made a few changes, they got some fresh legs in, and they they got they got it back into the game. The timing of it, you know, it's not ideal in football, of course, two minutes before the end, and you just got that feeling that. Okay, Stranard the, 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 had the lockdown restrictions imposed on them as well, but they had a few more games than, than Brora. And I think Brora was just a bit leggy towards the end. Um, and, you know, the, the goal comes at the, the worst possible time, just two minutes before the end. And it was a real, you know, we've heard the, the cliche sucker punch, but it really was a, a sucker punch to Brora. So I think in the end, I think Stranard. You know, probably deserved to, to go through. They were they were pretty dominant uh, towards the end of the game, and, and definitely in extra time. You know, they, they took took their goals well. The third one was 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 a lovely finish from mm, it um, was Thomas Orr. Uh, Thomas Orr, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think they, in the end they deserved to go through. For Broda, I mean, they can help uh, hold their heads high because of what they've done in the second round, um, and they competed well against. Aside, who let's be honest, they, they want they want to come up against on a, on a more regular basis next season. Yeah, no, absolutely, and I think Brora uh, really put a lot of smiles on people's faces from a neutral point of view as well as their own fans, and uh, they will be back, I am sure. There is, of course, still Highland uh, representation in the Scottish Cup, and Inverness, obviously, as we talked about earlier on, Ian won that Highland derby against Ross County in the previous round. They've now been drawn away to St Mirren uh, in the next round of the competition. How do you find see Carly's chances to be honest Grant I I fancy that I fancy them to get a result um, at Simmering Park next next weekend the the way that Neil McCann has got them playing like I said I've been well, it's not a really good judge actually because uh, the, the, the games I've seen them uh, in the last couple of weeks they lost to Morton and drew with Alawa that was just before Neil McCann uh, came in but I did see them against our broth a couple of weeks ago and what an improvement that Neil McCann has made in a short space of time he's really got them got them firing again and they're just they're absolutely flying at the moment 4-1 against Morton last weekend as well really impressive and uh, well the, we all know the addition of, of Scott Allen has caught the eye but Scott Allen's come in he, he's also got Nikolai Todorov um, scoring goals for fun too Daniel Mackay is a really really exciting prospect one that's kind of for me flown under the radar a little bit mm. uh, Rodney McGregor is a really exciting prospect as well um, you, you know so Neil McCann has, has got Cali Thistle going again I mean obviously we all know, you know, John Robertson unfortunately has had to kind of step down uh, for the time being, and Cali Thistle are are capable of going on good runs and and good cup runs as well. They made the semi-finals back in 2019, of course, won it um, back in 2015. Ironically, they beat St Mirren en route to winning that um, that trophy in 2015. Um, so yeah, again, I, I you know it's one of them. I mean, I know St Mirren have had a good season, and by all accounts. But I, f- I fancy Cali Thistle to get a result. Yeah, momentum is everything in football, isn't it? What has Neil McCann, in your opinion, done to make Cali uh, an improved team at the moment? I- I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, it's too. No, I'm not sure. It's too much to do with kind of tactics. The, the side are kind of they're they're playing um, in a kind of similar um, 
set up to what John Robertson would have would have set them up as. Um, for me, I think it's maybe just a bit of a, a, a renewed sense of belief because um, they went through a wee bit of a spell. They didn't have a game for for nearly four weeks, and then they, they had a few difficult results. And I think it was just a case of. Even when Neil McCann came in, of course, as I mentioned, that, that loss to Greenock Morton at home, I mean, they were sitting in ninth position at one point, mm-hmm. and now they're, they're they're back in playoff contention and one of the favourites to, to grab a, a playoff spot. I think it's just been a bit of a, 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 a belief uh, about themselves. Neil McCann talks about that quite a lot. Um, the He's obviously got a tune out of, as I mentioned, Todorov and Mackay, but he's also... What's kind of gone a wee bit unnoticed as well, um, whilst you know Todorov and Mackay and and Allen and, and and Shane Sutherland, these guys are getting rightly so the plaudits. But what he's also brought to them is a as a defensive solidness as well. The likes of Daniel, Daniel Devine and and Brad Mackay, he's made a really interesting switch with David Carson. You know, a, a combative midfielder going to right back and and making the right back slot his own I mean Wallace Duffy um, you know it's, it's had to watch on as, as David Carton uh, strolls down the right hand side and he's got Cameron Harper uh, a really exciting prospect on the left hand side as well uh, with Kevin McCarthy on on you know there too so he, he's built a really kind of solid unit he's also got Mark Ridgers in goals as well Mark Ridgers is you know probably outside of Craig Gordon one of the best goalkeepers in that, that championship so uh, you know he's he, he has built a real solid defensive unit and when the guys up top firing um, in style then it, and it you know, all comes together nicely You mentioned of course that Cali are very much back in the playoff picture in the championship could the Scottish Cup help them in that charge for a playoff spot or could it be a hindrance in your opinion? Yeah, it's a, it is a difficult one isn't it? It's one of those it's very hard to um, it's hard to say because because of the games coming thick and fast, um, midweek, Saturday, midweek, Saturday, it's either going to be a help or a hindrance. Um, you know, it's it, momentum, as you mentioned, is a great thing in football. And Cali Thistle at the moment will just be wanting the next game to come along. So, it, it, yeah, it, it's, it's hard to say. Um, I mean, St Mirren, I mean, they've really not got too much to play for because of that. You know, they missed out on that top six spot in sensational fashion so you know they, they, they don't have much to play for so they might see well let's go for it in the cup so but in terms of I mean Cali this I mean just I mean it, the, the games are coming thick and fast and it's uh, you know one big push but I, I you know I can't see any reason why they can't go down to, to St Mirren Park get a result and, and have a wee how are we going the Scottish Cup so, in terms of the opposition, in terms of St Mirren, who's the danger men in your opinion that Cali need to keep an eye on? To be honest, I haven't seen a lot of St Mirren this season. Um, I, I, I'm not. Um, it sounds weird, but because I'm of maroon persuasion and uh, and I've been to a few championship games I haven't seen a lot of the, the premiership this season out with the kind of bigger sides um, but I, I know that Jim Goodwin has has, has had a good season um, at St Mirren um, I mean I know that a lot of people laughed myself included to be honest when Tony Fitzpatrick came out and said they'd make top six uh, this season okay they didn't make top six but they were within a, a whisker of, of doing so within a couple of minutes of doing so actually um, so I haven't seen a, an awful lot of them this season but um, I mean John Obika 
um, is the is the the one that springs to mind having watched him yep. score a couple of goals against my, my own side uh, last season. Um, he'd be the one that I would that would that would say is a, is a kind of danger man for the buddies. In terms of a score prediction, what are you going to go for here? Do you think? It's going to be tight um, because, as I mentioned, St Mirren have got um, not an awful lot to play for. I am going to fancy the away side, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go for 2-1, and I'm not entirely sure. Uh, well, I'm not ruling out extra time for that for that extra um, uh, victory for Cali. So I'll go, I'll go 2-1. Now, I'm going to go for a score draw after 90 minutes, and then anybody's after, after that. I think it could go all the way. I think it's one of the... the Closer matches on paper in the competition, and you can certainly keep your eye on that. Uh, while I've got you on, Ian, let's kind of uh, predict the rest of the uh, Scottish Cup ties. Let's start first with the Old Firm Derby, because we cannot um, miss this. I mean, Rangers and Celtic have spoken uh, to Scott Patterson and Colin Watt from the This Is Ibrox and a Celtic State of Mind podcast, respectively. How do you see this Old Firm Derby uh, shaping up? Because... Rangers have, will probably never get a better chance to stop Celtic winning nothing this season. Well, first and foremost, I think it's it's brilliant that Celtic and Rangers uh, are meeting at this stage of the competition. I am always an advocate of the old firm um, meeting in the early well the early rounds of this the Scottish Cup because I I always believe that it, it makes it more exciting for. Other clubs along the way it gives it opens up the, the opportunities, shall I say? And it, yes. It's great to have the you know the thought of going into the quarterfinals with only one old firm side. So that's brilliant. I, I'm probably going to see Rangers, and again, the old firm games haven't been they haven't been, they haven't been spectacles this season. Of course, we all know the reasons why. I mean, Rangers have, have been pretty dominant in the fixture, uh, and Celtic have, have had a pretty poor season. I, I'm going to go for a home win. I just think with the league title wrapped up Europe out the equation I think that one last push for another piece of silverware for Stephen Gerrard so I'm going to go 1-0 Rangers we're going to go 1-0 Rangers I'm going to say that this game is going to go all the way to a penalty shootout so I'm sitting well and truly on the fence to not annoy <laughs> any of the uh, guys from This Is Ibrox and a Celtic State of Mind podcast I want to make sure that I remain friends with them after this comes out so I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw and the game to go to a penalty shootout let's look at the other ties Ian because game on Friday night four for Athletic against Dundee United effectively an Angus derby I mean what do you make of that four for a brilliant result in the last round beating Edinburgh City on a penalty shootout yeah it's um uh, I, well I know the, the, the goalkeeper uh, Daniel Hoban really well so it was brilliant to see Daniel uh, you know make some headlines uh, in that penalty shootout I know he was um uh, you know, delayed to, to play his part in a big result for Forfar. Uh, yeah, it's one of them. I know that Forfar are struggling, you know, at the moment towards the bottom of League One. And it's that old this we just, you know, talked about is the cup at this stage of the season a, a kind of hindrance uh, or is that a help? Um, I would, l- I mean, I'd love to see Forfar cause another upset. I mean, to see Forfar in the quarterfinals of the Scottish Cup uh, in mid April, I mean, that would be brilliant. Mm-hmm. But I 
think it might be just uh, one round too many for them. I think Dundee United will will take care of them. Yeah, I think so as well. I think it might be 2-0 Dundee United is the sort of scoreline I'm kind of going for here. I, I've been quietly impressed with Dundee United this season. They've come up to the Premiership. They've held their own. Maybe missed their chances, maybe not getting into the top six. But Mickey Mellon's done a very solid job. And they're starting to find that little bit of consistency building for next season. I think Dundee United will win this game 2-0. Now, uh, Saturday lunchtime, Stranraer against Hibs, a side that you will know particularly well, Ian. Do you think your uh, rivals could uh, come unstuck against League 2 opposition here? Well, I was I was quietly praying on, on Monday night for Queen of the South to beat Hibs, but that didn't happen. Um, I, it pains me, it pains me, Grant, to say, but I think that, um, well, it, 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 I just look at that, that cup tie and I just think, what if... Uh -huh. You know, what if Broda Rangers are taken clear of Stranraer on, on, I mean, that would have been another brilliant game for the club. Of course, Broda have already played Hibs this season of right course. enough. But, uh, and then I think, well, what if Hearts had actually, you know, been a bit more professional and that could have been an Edinburgh derby in the fourth round. But mm. I would have lost too much sleep over that tie. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think Hibs, Hibs will see this as a, a brilliant opportunity to, to make the semi-finals of course one of the, the nice things about the Scottish Cup draw we know that the quarter-final ties if you like uh, that await the winners of, of uh, Saturday so you know if Hibs can get past Stranraer they've got a home tie against Motherwell or Greenock Morton at home at Easter Road to make the semi-finals I mean yeah. starts to open up for them and you know they, their supporters will start dreaming of dare I mention it a return to uh, well, winning the cup for the first time in five years, but yeah, I mean Stranraer. I mean, I was actually quite impressed with Stranraer, as I said, in that kind of later stages of that game. I mean, it's it's one of them. I mean, we have seen some erratic results this season. Will we see one at Stair Park on Saturday? I'm not too sure. Yeah, I I don't think Stranraer will will cause another upset here. Although, I have to say, I've been really impressed with them. You know, they had a great comeback against Kelty Hearts. Don't forget, in one of the previous rounds were two 0 down and, and came back and won that one three two away from home. I just think Hibs will have that little bit more quality. I think it'll maybe be some like 3-1 similar to the, the Queen of the South game actually in the, in the previous round I just think Hibs with that firepower of Deutsch and Nisbet will have uh, too much but you never know in the cup uh, another game that interests me is uh, Kilmarnock against Montrose and Montrose have done really well this season under Stuart Petrie but Kilmarnock may be turning the corner of late under Tommy Wright yeah well that that We've, we've talked about this already, haven't we? You know, in terms of what can the cup do, but the cup can give you confidence too, especially when you're struggling in the league. And I think that goes the same for Kilmarnock because, you know, there was a, yeah, Kilmarnock have a big five games to come um, in terms of league games, but um, you know that win. I know it was only Stenhouse Muir, but still, you know, they, they took care of Stenhouse Muir pretty comfortably. And you know, Carol Lafferty got in the in the score sheet three times as well. So to get him some some more goals and game time under his belt can only help Kilmarnock uh, in their quest to to survive the the drop. In terms of you know the cup, again, it's a you know it's an opportunity to to get you know to, to progress into the next round. I don't think it will be easy by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, Montrose have had a good season as well, um, and, and they have a you know a couple of experienced heads in there as well. Montrose will make it tricky for Kilmarnock. Uh, I'm not, I'm not anticipating a a repeat of the last round for Kelly. You know, beating uh, Stenhouse Muir four 0 You know, I don't, I don't think it'll be easy for them. 
Uh, I, I still think they'll have enough to get past Montrose, but um, yeah, I, I think Montrose will make it difficult for them. Yeah, I, I'm in the full agreement with the Irish. I think Montrose will give a very good stuffy account for Kilmarnock. I wouldn't be surprised if Kelly maybe get an early goal and Montrose have a really good go at trying to get back into the game and maybe Kelly getting a, a second late on to kill the game. I think it would be 2-0, but I think Montrose have got a real chance again in the playoffs in League One and as I said, Stuart Petrie doing a, a really good job there. Uh, at the Lynx Park team and I, I really would like to see Montrose get into the playoffs because I think they've been a breath of fresh air in League 1 now the next game is Motherwell against Morton at Far Park what a big game this is for both teams and both both teams sort of struggling in their respective leagues although Motherwell look to be fairly safe in the Premiership yeah I think Motherwell have had a couple of good results um, over the last uh, couple of weeks which have which has just given Graham Alexander a little bit of uh, breathing space and I think they are pretty much safe. I know not mathematically, but I think they are safe from any trouble. Who knows? Uh, I, might, I might be proven wrong, but they, they turned up in, in style and, and took care of for Martin. I know that for Martin... Um, had you know eyes on a, a cup upset of their own, but uh, like Graham Alexander said pre-match, that um, the broader result had, had given... You know, done his team top for him if you like. You know, he knew that the, his guys had to be switched on and be professional and turn up and take care of of for Martin. So, again, that win will have given them a wee bit of a boost as well yeah. uh, as they continue on their way. Again, Motherwell. I know we've just talked about them. You know, they, they potentially the winner of this one could face uh, either Stranraer or Hibs away. Uh, Motherwell in the not so distant um, past. Beat Hibs at Easter Road, so I mean they'll be looking first and foremost to take care of Greenock Morton. I think they'll again, you know, because it's at Fur Park as well. I know that there's no supporters there, that doesn't really make too much of a difference, but uh, they've got home advantage, whatever that means. But I think Motherwell will, will win that one. I'll probably go pretty handsomely as well. I would go for three-one. Yeah, interesting. I think that scoreline as well. I actually think three-one, and I think Morton have a bigger fight in their hands. The, the cup, the cup is obviously great. It's a bit of a bonus for for Gus McPherson and his team. But uh, the team from Capel will really need to start getting some results in the championship because, as we just mentioned, they got beat four-one uh, by Inverness yeah. earlier in the week as we're recording this, and that's a pretty damaging defeat at home. And they're going to have some big games coming up because obviously the championship is coming to its close fairly soon as well and Morton do not want to finish in ninth place even though it looks like Aloua are going to finish bottom you don't want to finish ninth and be in that dreaded playoffs do you? No absolutely um, because League One at the moment is the is the league to watch I mean Queen's Park have won effectively League Two and Hearts and Rangers have well Hearts haven't wrapped up their, their title yet but Rangers have so League One's the, the one to watch and there's a lot of uh, okay uh, there's a couple of ambitious clubs in, in, in League One, the likes of Cove Rangers. I mean, they have their sights set on, on championship and a second promotion, but the, the league itself isn't done and dusted yet. So the likes of Falkirk may even end up in the playoffs. Paddock yes. Thistle could still make a, a late go for it as well. So if I was Morton, I wouldn't like to be going up against a, a Falkirk or a Paddock Thistle um, in that uh, relegation playoff spot. But... Um, 
the, the one way to, to avoid that is obviously stay well clear and finish eighth. Yeah, no, absolutely. Two games left uh, to preview. Uh, the next one is at McDermott Park. St Johnston, the League Cup winners uh, for this okay. season against Clyde from League One, and, and Clyde had a super win in the last round, winning at Somerset Park. The the early goal from Cuddyhe, the difference. Can they cause an upset and beat the League Cup champions here? Yeah, that one was a bit of a shock, wasn't it, in the in the last round? Because um, Clyde haven't, they are obviously having a bit of a tough time in, in League One at the moment as well themselves, kind of getting sucked in towards the the wrong end of that division. Mm. But at, at the same time, um, I, I think that St Johnston, I've been really impressed, impressed even with St Johnston and, and Callum Davis in this season obviously that League Cup winner as you mentioned there you know is the is the cherry on top of a, a, another really good season for the Saints because you know top six in a cup I mean there's so many sides uh, Hearts Hibs Aberdeen Dundee United so many so-called bigger clubs than St Johnston would love a, a top six finish and a trophy at the end of the season so it's been a great season for them can they go on and add a Scottish Cup? Well, they've got a big task because they've got to first of all get past Clyde and then they've got the winner of the Old Firm uh, derby as well to, to face. Yeah. So it's going to be difficult for them. I think they'll squish Clyde though. Um, I'm pretty confident they'll they'll. Uh, they'll, they'll, they'll ease past Clyde and I'm going for a couple of goals as well perhaps yeah. three or four yeah I, I spoke to Dylan McDonald on the, the last episode of the, the Scottish Cup special and Dylan's a big Clyde fan sorry pal I'm, I'm going to go for St <laughs> Johnston to win this one as well I think it'll be two or three nil I've been impressed as well with St Johnston I think they've got this great balance of youth and experience in their team I think they'll get through this game but come into the quarterfinals against either Reigns or Celtic I think that might be a, a, a round too far for the, the Saints but they've had a brilliant season they're in in the top six and um, I think Callum Davis has done an absolutely tremendous job there. Now the last game uh, in this uh, round of the Scottish Cup is in my opinion a very tough one to call. It's at Matodry, Aberdeen um, against Livingston. Um, what do we make of this game Ian? Because obviously Stephen Glass um, looks like, he, well he may be taking the, this as his first match in charge. This is a huge game for him to get his feet under the table. Well, it, yeah, and it's again without getting too carried away. He, if he takes over, I'm not entirely sure when he's planning on 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 taking over yeah. as manager um, or or you know going in the dugout certainly. Um, if he does, then he's got a brilliant chance to guide him to the quarterfinals in a home tie against either Forth or Dundee United in the quarterfinals. And if he could get in these first couple of games Aberdeen to to a semi final and Hamden. I mean, wow! I mean, suddenly, you know that that is you're talking about a, a not just a a great start, a blooming excellent start. Um, so there's a lot, at the same time it could go pear shaped for him. You know, he could go in the dugout, and and Livingston, as we know, are a very stuffy side to play against. Yeah. You know, they they're a very well organised outfit, and they they they've caused upsets. At the likes of Petodre in the past, and, and and are very capable of doing so. So, it, it could go pear shaped for him in this one if he if he does uh, go in the dugout. It, it's that's a big risk, isn't it? But at the same time, I mean, the Aberdeen fans will want to see their manager. You know, I mean, the Scottish Cup hoodoo continues over the Dons. Uh, Thirty-one years since they the last won it. 
so I, I don't need to I'm sure I don't need to remind you Grant but uh, you know there's a lot riding on this uh, every campaign you know every Aberdeen manager wants to win the, the Scottish Cup the players do as well so there's a lot riding on this one as you said it's a very tough one to call though uh, for me we don't have the benefit of replays of course so that's brilliant there's going to be a winner on the day I I don't know why I mean form doesn't exactly suggest it but I would probably say Aberdeen home win well interesting to call because I wasn't impressed with Aberdeen in their previous round at Dumbarton leaving it so late Callum Hendry getting the, the only goal of the game I thought Dumbarton gave a really good account of themselves in that match and probably could have got a goal in that game I thought they gave a really good account Livingston had a really good win in the previous round against Wraith Rovers who have been going very well in the championship and probably should make the playoffs in my opinion I don't know. I, I think this will go to extra time. I'm not confident at all. I don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I actually think it could be nil-nil after 90 minutes. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if uh, we see a bit of an upset here. And, and, and well, if it is an upset, maybe people listening in maybe won't think it's an upset. I think Livingston might win this on penalties. And I hate going against my team, but I think that might happen. <laughs> yeah, and like I say, there's no... Well, I know Aberdeen uh, you know, are, uh, are sitting... High up in the, in the the Premiership table, but there's there's no reason for me in terms of form to go for Aberdeen. But I've just got that kind of funny feeling, especially if Stephen Glass decides right, I'm gonna I'm gonna take charge. Yeah, uh, sure. let's get into it now. You know, there might be a wee bit of a new manager bounce. You know, that 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 might happen, of course, as well. I mean, Aberdeen, there's going to be you know a lot of changes over the summer as well. So there's a lot, still a lot to play for in terms of. I mean, they, they could still scrape Europe. Um, in terms of the league anyway um, and of course players are now playing for their, their future do they want to stay at Aberdeen do they want to be part of Stephen Glass's plans well you know he's obviously had a wee bit of a couple of weeks to, to have a look at them in terms of virtually um, you, they have to show them you know in terms of the, the physical form uh, just how good they are so there's still a lot to play for um, and again you know Livingston again have had a great season you know very close to I know they were disappointed in the League Cup final uh, and they've, they've made the top six as well which is brilliant I mean yeah. not many are, as I say my own club I'd love to be reaching cup finals and uh, and finishing top six but unfortunately not so there's, they still are doing uh, some sterling work but again, I just fancy Aberdeen. I don't know why. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll find out um, in due course. You can check Ian and my's predictions on the SPFL42 Twitter account. And you can also follow John Bleasdale and Callum McFadden's predictions against us as well. Should be very interesting to see what happens in those matches. Ian, it's been great to have you on the show. As I said, uh, Ian Ald, the host of Highland Football Weekly. Where can people find you on Twitter? It is uh, Highland Weekly on, on Twitter, at Highland Weekly, and uh, the podcast is available, like, like most, uh, on the uh, Apple Podcast and Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a really great uh, podcast series, and I, I want to say on record that people listening to this should go and check Ian's content out, a really vibrant and varied range of guests, and all very good quality, I may say so, to Ian, it's been great to have you on the show, best of luck um, to Inverness, and also um, your own podcasting ventures uh, continued uh, throughout the rest of the season and beyond and thanks for coming on the SPFL 42 show to talk about the remaining matches in the Scottish Cup with me no, brilliant. I love the Scottish Cup it's always great to talk about the greatest uh, knockout competition in the world well, we are unfortunately bang out of time for another episode of the SPFL 42 show. I hope you've enjoyed uh, the Scottish Cup special 
First of all, a massive thanks to Scott Patterson, Colin Watt and Ian Ald for their contributions to the show. Uh, as always, you can check out the SPFL42 on Twitter at the SPFL42 show. We cover every division of Scottish football and our show is, as always, sponsored by Six Yards Out. You can check out myself, uh, Dr. Grant Campbell, at Stato underscore Grant on Twitter. And you can also check out my fellow presenters, Callum McFadden, John Bleasdale and David Smith on Twitter as well. Callum is at CallumCFB. John Bleasdale is at JBleasdale81. And David is at Dave O1995. A warm welcome to Dave, who's just joined us on the SPFL 42 show and will be a massive contributor between now and going forward. It will be very interesting to see his contributions in due course. But that's all we've got time for for another episode of the SPFL 42 show. For me and from everybody else associated with the show, it's goodbye for now.